I was coming that Dorothy is part of this church. Where are you? Oh, you're right back there. Good to see you. Dorothy was part of my church in London. And uh, yeah, it's just lovely to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm told I have a very soporific voice. <clears throat> so please just don't snore. That's all I am. Yeah, bless you. Well, I was given um, two passages, um, one of which is quite long and extremely complicated. And so I'm only going to read uh, reduced versions of them both. And so here is Luke chapter 9, uh, beginning at verse 1, just the first six verses. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. And then there's a bit just after that about Herod, which um, we'll just touch on later on. There's a whole group of extra bits in these references. So, uh, chapter 10, uh, for, I'm going to read the first nine verses. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are... Debs, if you're going to get me a drink, uh, don't, don't bother, but thank you. Ah, you're here now. Well, I, I would want you to complete your journey. <laughs> but I have a cough suite in here. With which water... Anyway, we won't go there. <clears throat> Marvellous. Uh, no ice. <clears throat> Where was I? Yes, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Thank you so much. I have to have some now. Have you, have you put anything in it? <coughs> Lydia, you offered earlier and I declined. But thank you so much. I was just checking. I'm not going to push it out the other side. It's weird having a glass pulpit. You have to kind of check yourself. <laughs> Stay in the house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. That's great. We'll stop there. Um, <coughs> thank you again so much for the invitation um, or to put it another way Sue Stevenson dropped me in it um, but that's okay and Sue and Peter and I go back a very very long way it's hard for churches during pastoral vacancy I mean you're quite at the beginning of one really um, and I hope for your sake it doesn't go on too long but it can be quite 
a tough time. And so uh, it's really good and thank you for having a team of worship leaders and for setting a schedule. I think that's really important to have a consistent preaching series for people like me just to tap into. It's good for you and it's helpful to us. And you've been through, I think, the story of Ruth. Um, lovely, lovely story, not without humour. And uh, you're starting on series from Luke's Gospel. I'm especially happy to be here on a harvest service. I love harvest. I love the sights and the smells of church harvest festivals, although there isn't much of a kind of um, perishable and smelly nature for obvious reasons, but that's just fine. My early days were on farms when I was a kid, and in my most recent church, uh, we really could sing, We Plough the Fields and Scatter, because they did. And it was wonderful to be in that kind of a community. Now, God's word from Genesis to Revelation is really shot through with parables and pictures of seed time and harvest, planting and growing, uh, fruitful trees planted by the waterside, and so on. Pictures of human life drawn from the agricultural context of their day, where God's children, uh, we, fit into the pictures in different ways. So we're the soil, or we're the seed, we're the fruit, we're the harvest, we're the harvest workers. And through it all, the central truth in it is Jesus' words in John 15, I have appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that's our theme, appointed, sent, from both harvest and from those references. Uh, so here's where we're going this morning. Firstly, I want to encourage you, us, me included, I want to encourage you to know and feel that every one of us is both called and sent wherever we are whatever we're doing. I believe uh, these are two sides of one coin. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, we read that Jesus called people to him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, we read that Jesus sent people ahead of him. They are both sides of our appointing, our calling. And I want us to encourage uh, and to be encouraged by the fact that to be called and sent does not usually, in fact, uh, I mean that not usually, it does for some, mean going to some faraway mission in some kind of bold, assertive evangelism. It may mean that for a gifted and privileged few, but we can be called and sent into our own family, our workplace, our day-to-day -day life. Who you are and what you do as God's child, is your calledness. It is your sentness. And accepting that gives us confidence of God in us, which is so important. So from Luke's Gospel, as I said earlier, you gave me two similar passages from Luke 9 and Luke 10. In fact, the reference went on a bit further, uh, right through to verse 24 in chapter 10, and that's both long and complex. It's full of details. It raises all sorts of questions, especially if you compare uh, Luke 10 uh, and all those verses with other Gospels. 
and other scripture passages. There are lots of scholarly discussions about the differences and the comparisons and so forth. Uh, let's just say, firstly, that the three synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do vary. For instance, Luke's gospel is the only one that mentions the 72, or the 70. Um, we know that the gospels are not um, chronological records like diaries, but they're collections of memories. And so the same things appear in different places in different Gospels with slightly different details, and that's okay. Today's news reports uh, do the same. It does not devalue, it doesn't invalidate the truth and the power of the Word of God and the stories and the words of Jesus. Now Luke, uh, the non-disciple, set about to collect from eyewitness reports, he tells us that. So, for Harvest Themes, I've just taken those sending passages. Um, Jesus sending, firstly, the 12 apostles, and by the way, that word means sent ones, and then the 72 others, as Luke calls them. And many of us as Christians look at our lives and we think, well, what have I done? When was I ever sent? And where to? And did I do that? What lasting fruit have I borne? Somebody in my role, um, it's a big question. What lasting fruit have I borne? What did I do? What did you do? What can we do? And there is a danger of a demoralizing effect of uh, even feeling negative about ourselves and our service. So we doubt our coldness or our sentness and just not realizing what God is doing and has been doing in us and through us. And that's what I want us to consider today. Now, here's a thought provoker. Maybe some of us grew up with and perhaps held on to a rather romantic picture of Jesus white-clad, drifting through the holy landscape, followed by 12 rugged-looking chaps. Um, An image from classical painting that conveys more of a devotional message than the realities. Now think about those situations that we've heard read. Nothing wrong with those pictures, by the way, but let's remember that the 12 Jesus-named apostles were only some of the many Who followed him? Who are the 72 others available to the Lord to send ahead? Now we know from elsewhere that there were also women among Jesus' disciples and that his followers varied in age and type. So it's reasonable to assume that most of them, including the 12 he called apostles, had families and jobs and other responsibilities just like you. So what we read of Jesus' ministry and of his followers is to be fitted in to the context of ordinary lives and the tough business of living and working in first century Palestine. This is hinted at in chapter 9, verse 1, where we're told Jesus called the twelve together. He called them to a meeting. He, they didn't have diaries, but he's pulling them together. It's in Galilee. They had other commitments around home, work, family, synagogue. He called them to meet together. 
Then there's the 72 others in Luke 10. Show us that Jesus had many loyal followers. But those who were in Galilee, which is where Luke 9 is said, may well have been a largely different crowd from those in Judea, which is where Luke 10 is set, 60 miles away. Followers were coming and going as and when and where they could in the context of their lives and commitments. So we're trying to set the scripture into the normal life that we might more easily understand. And from within their normal circumstances, the Lord Jesus took hold of them. And in the words of St. Paul, you remember this lovely scripture? They reached out to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus had taken hold of them. Let me run that past you again. It's in Philippians. That they reached out to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of them. And so do we. All are called. All who follow are sent by definition. Whether it's on the school run or in the commuter train, in study or in work or retirement or the sports field or the social club, wherever it might be. Ordinary situations. It reminds me of the false distinction we can sometimes make between those in what we call full-time Christian service and the rest of us. Now, we know what we mean, but it's not a helpful description. It's not a helpful distinction in our understanding of our own commitment to Jesus and to his kingdom work. We are all in full-time Christian service. But not all our missionaries or church leaders or saints in some charitable work. Some have high-profile roles in God's service. That is their privilege. It's not a boast. And those who spend a lifetime in ordinary jobs or as homemakers, who may stay in the same places where they were born and live godly lives of humble service, they equally are taking hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of them. That's probably you and me. We mustn't let the evil one to persuade us to feel fruitless or failed in God's service because we're not doing something more spectacular. Paul's image of the body says it. We may not be great thinkers or speakers or gifted or skilled in some high-profile way, but the body needs the small, the ordinary, the faithful, the mundane, the apparently insignificant to keep it functional and healthy. And that's most of us in our place in the body of Christ. And all can be fruitful in the imitating of Christ in the most basic forms of godliness, fruit is being born and you probably don't even realize it. The pleasant word at the supermarket checkout, the simple kindness done, the life lived in quiet godliness in full view of family or colleagues, the readiness to tell your faith story without fancy words, any Christ-like Christ-reflecting act or word may be a link in a chain drawing someone like those followers of Jesus to him. And you won't know it. 
nothing in the economy of God is ever wasted. What you have done and been and said as God's child is what Jesus took hold of you for, sent you to do. Unless you have knowingly run away, like Jonah, which you probably haven't or you wouldn't be here. And by the way, if you are running away, then expect a passing whale. <laughs> you are part of God's harvest and part of the kingdom cultivating team. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's not allow the opposition to sow seeds of negativity, like the parable, weeds sown amongst the wheat, to undermine our self-worth as God's children. Let me run that phrase past you because it's so important. Don't let the evil one undermine your self-worth as God's children. It's what I would call our confidence of God in me. My confidence of God in me. Jesus called and sent the 12 and the 72. We don't know of all the results, by the way. And there is scriptural evidence that, that they were both successful at some times and less so at others. But there is a sense that it was the being used by God that was the fulfillment in itself. As it is for us. Because we can say that actually the results are the Holy Spirit's concern. My job is to be Christ. The fruit of the same vine. Oh and by the way, for those who live alone, what is seen only by God is also fruit. For him alone. What a thought. That... To be sent to serve and love and glorify God, even perhaps especially when no one but he is there. It's very important. Let's pray to be like Christ, whether we're on display or not. Now, that's not an invitation to passivity, of course, but I hope it's an encouragement to look at yourself and see that you're a fruitful branch in the vine. Oh, but you may say, I'm 75, I'm 80, I'm 90, I've lost my energy. You still have a godly beauty of life that will shine. So you may say, oh, I've got children and work and all the challenges of a pressured life these days. Jesus still calls and sends you. Even like Elijah, when he had what we might call a breakdown, sent him back to where he'd come from, to your place and your life, to normality, whatever that is, in frailty or fitness, in inactivity or busyness, even in sickness and disability. You, we, are all amongst what Psalm 16 beautifully calls the shining ones in whom is all my delight. Do you see yourself as one of God's shining ones in whom is all his delight? Because I believe you should. So to sum up in closing, firstly, as God's children, we are all both called and sent 
we are both called to follow, Luke 9, and sent ahead, Luke 10. These are parts of the same thing, whether in ordinary life or exceptional life, in home or in work or wherever. The wonder is that Jesus takes the risk to call and to send even me, even you. But he goes with us by his spirit, with authority and power as of old, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. We are, as Paul wrote elsewhere, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us in ordinary lives and in ordinary places. And secondly, finally, that we are devoted to a person, not a set of rules and ideas. Those who are sent in Luke 9 and Luke 10 had, to different degrees, followed Jesus, heard him, watched him, copied him, absorbed him, loved him, and so they reflected him almost unconsciously. And that's true of us too. Our prime call is just that. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that the more we gaze on Christ, the more accurately, stroke gloriously, we will reflect him. And in a sense, even unknowingly, that's what we're all sent to be little Christs, as C.S. Lewis called it. That's how we bear fruit, fruit that will last, but fruit that we may never ever see. Our personal devotions, our prayers, our fellowship, our times together, our readiness to see ourselves as role-modeling children of God, that's what makes you shine as the sent ones the apostles of Christ, God's fruitful harvest wherever you are. With that in mind, let's just pray. And Father God, we do thank you that out of your love you reach out even to us. You call us, you send us, whether it be far away or in our own homes, in our normal workplaces, in our studies. Thank you, Lord, that you even call us. And we do pray that you would give us the grace, the determination, so to watch you, so to study you, that we will develop a greater and greater degree of likeness to you, so that we may shine wherever we are and produce, by your grace, fruit that will last. Thank you, Father. Amen.